0: What do you want to be said about you after you're gone? After you have left this place and shed your mortal coils, what do you want said about you? Have you ever thought about that? Well, here are a few things that was written about other folks. Here lies an atheist, all dressed up and nowhere to go. Here's another one. Here lies Ann Mann. Her last name is spelled M-A-N-N. Here lies Ann Mann. Who lived an old maid, but died an old man. Here's the next one. The children of Israel wanted bread, and the Lord sent them manna. Old clerk Wallace wanted a wife, and the devil sent him manna. Here lies Johnny Yeast. And on his tombstone it says, Pardon me for not rising. And then a gentleman named Jonathan, this was on his tombstone. Here lies the body of Jonathan Blake. He stepped on the gas instead of the brake. And just in case you were wondering, that was supposed to have been funny. It can be good, amazing, funny, and sometimes pathetic concerning the things people say about us once we're gone. As you know, those things are based directly or loosely on their experience with us. You heard them at other folks' funerals. And you hope to God that they would not show up to your funeral uh, with such outlandish language. But then again, what do you care? What people say about us, it is important because oftentimes, it sh- at least it should be a direct reflection on what Christ has done in our life. So today, I'm going to give you Very ominous task. And your task today is to begin writing your obituary. Today, right here, right now, you have the task of writing your own obituary. Now, I know it sounds very morose but it's good practice because you will put yourself in the place of others who may have that responsibility for you as you and I one day become the dearly departed. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 25, verse 7. Genesis chapter 25, verse 7. In the passage it reads, beginning there in verse 7. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life. 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephraim, uh, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre. The field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites, there Abraham was buried in Sarah. Sarah, his wife. Verse 11. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at beer Right? And Just a quick note on verse 11. It's very interesting that Isaac settled at beer le because that was the very place that God spoke to Hagar. That was the same place that God spoke to Hagar about her son, Ishmael. That was the place that Isaac settled. But back to our passage here. People aren't made to outlive death. We are not made to outlive death. Now we know that Abraham, that he lived a long time, 175 years, and And boy, that's a long time. And for many folks, that's like two or three lifetimes. But on the other hand, we look back on the history of some of the saints of God in the book of Genesis and how some lived to 500 years and 600 and 700 and 800 and 900 years, how that was a long time. But nevertheless, however long that they live, they never outlive death. Now, uh, this is a very interesting message today. Why? Because we mainly hear these types of messages at funerals. Never do we have an opportunity to sit back without the dearly Beloved in front of us to distract us from the word of God that goes forth. But as a pastor, I am called to touch every area of our existence. Not just the ones that make us feel happy, happy, happy. Not just the ones that we feel like when we leave church, we are on cloud nine. Not just those but also the other ones that we should think about. That if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you should think about death. Why? Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have nothing to fear. As Paul says, for me to live is what is Christ, but to die is gain. So uh, no matter... uh, How we end up, we know it is a win-win proposition for us. As individuals, we prepare for vacations. We prepare for our children to come to this world. We prepare for the new job. We even prepare to leave that job during retirement. But when it comes to this idea of our passing, uh, sometimes we don't want to hear about it. But as people who are faithful, we face face this message with the confidence of knowing that Jesus is on our side. We don't have to be concerned about hearing this message uh, because the only time we hear this message is when someone uh, lies horizontally, permanently. For us, we can hear this message and know, as I've said before, that nothing can happen to you, that nothing can happen to me unless God allows it. Well, people are not made to outlive death. And if that's the case, then how do we respond to it? If we are not made to outlive death, then how do we respond to that eventuality? Well, since we had been walking through this series on the life of Abraham since we were introduced to him back in Genesis chapter 11. We recall all the lessons of his life. Some uh, we didn't get to hear during this series. But yet we remember the life of Abraham. And as we recall Abraham's life, that it should give us pause or concern about our own. That we must be concerned about what will be said of us when we leave this earth. What I'm saying is that, this is it here. Every day you add a line, you add a line to your obituary. Every single day you add another line to your obituary. One brother I spoke to, he told me, he says, yes, and not just a line, but every moment it is as if we're adding a letter by letter, then a word, then a word, then a word, then a line, then a paragraph, then a page. Every single day, every single week, we are adding to our own obituary. Each good and not so good thing that we say or do, yes, and this is true, but I need to say it again, each thing that is good and not so good that we do or say or that we even think, because God knows the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. But everything uh, that we encounter and how we respond to it, that it adds more. Now you may say that, well, I'm going to fix that because I'm going to write my obituary before I leave this place, Amen. But uh, I tell you, you you better not count on that. Well, you can go ahead and write it, right? But you you better not count on uh, the person given whoever responsibility that they're going to end up printing that and giving it to everybody. You just don't know. So go ahead and write it down if you want. But understand that it may not get printed. So what has been said about Abraham in all this time? that it added line after line for our edification and principles to learn godly words in order for us to live by. And you know, uh, there are some thoughts and stories even about you that will remain active after we are gone. So try as you may. There are certain things about you that it's going to perpetuate on and on and on for a long time. But if we are still here today, we have an opportunity to make some mid-course adjustments. What exactly would you want to be known for? Right? You want to be one of those people uh, that it says, all it says about your walk with Christ is that they uh, came to the Lord at an early age. Is that the culmination of your life of faith that you came to Christ at an early age? Is that it? There must be more. There should be more lines written about your faith in Jesus Christ other than you came to Christ at an early age. So what is it that you want to be known for? Let's look at some suggestions from the life of Abraham. Here's one. Be known for being anchored in the Lord when no one else is around to encourage you. Be known for being anchored in the Lord when no one else is around to encourage you. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1, please. Isaiah 51, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read three verses. And it says here, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when I called him that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion, he comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the voice of song. Who do you want to have lift you up when you are down? Who is there to give you those encouraging words when your back is against the wall? This is something that Abraham had to contend with over and over again, especially even as uh, the prophet Isaiah brings it out here in Isaiah 51, verse 2. God said that uh, when he called him, he was just one person, one person to do his will, right? And and this is the tricky part, right? What do you mean by that? It's tricky because at the beginning of anything, uh, most things, we oftentimes feel happy. That that thing is a lot of fun, right? And we feel strong for a period of time. But after a while, the hollowness begins to seep in. Why? Because there is no one else, supposedly, there to encourage us, or to share in our hopes, in our, in our dreams. The result? the result is that in some cases, is that some people, they give up too early. Some people give up way too early before God blesses them. Well, what's early? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know what early is for you. I can't determine that. God knows what's early for you. I don't know what's early for you. But in some cases, some people give up way too early. They give up too early before their dream or their vision has an opportunity really to take roots and bear fruits. Someone once said, and, and that someone is, bear grills. He says this, and I quote, Survival can be summed up in three words. Here it is. Never give up. That's the heart of it, really. He says, just keep trying. And Bear Grylls, he happens to be a Christian, by the way. Uh, Nevertheless... The word of God comes to us and says that when he calls us to do a, such a task that we cannot do on our own, that we are never to give up, that we are never to lose hope. Yet Abraham received a few promises from the Lord. And see, this is the key. Abraham received this promise we track through his life. We saw how he would lie in order to protect his fine wife who was on Medicaid. We saw that. We we saw how he lied a second time. We even saw how he sacrificed his own son. We saw how he was human, in other words. But God blessed him with that son, didn't he? Yeah, it took a while. It was about 25 years, amen? Amen. And I know you. Some of you may say that, but, 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 Pastor, I can't. I can't wait 25 years for that wife. You see, I'm young, and if I wait 25 years, I'm going to be old. Or I can't wait 25 years for this to happen in my life. But there are times that we must wait, and we must wait, because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. Their strength You want strength You want encouragement Then the first thing that you must do Not only must you fear God But you, we, I, we must wait upon the Lord Now Just because you can't see something Doesn't mean it ain't going to happen Just because you don't see it right before you Does not mean that it will not happen No, 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 no But this is the the perplexing thing about our faith. On the one hand, we believe uh, the Lord, and we know that His word is true, but yet that tangible, that thing in which we can see manifestation of what the Lord promised has not materialized. It has not showed up. In other words, He promised, but I don't see it. God said, but I don't see it. A saint encouraged me, but I don't see it, so I'm going to give up. Some even wrongly conclude that it must not be true. So when we are going through this alone, it may become untenable. As we endure trial after trial, It it, it, it gets really tough out here, doesn't it? Sometimes life gets tough and for some people that toughness becomes that tipping tipping point because you start looking around and, and your mind starts to do the crazy things and finally you say, I give up. I believe that in many cases that a lot of people, they miss their very blessings because they give up too soon on God. Will that be you? Will you give up too soon on God? So what does Scripture say about Abraham and other saints of the Lord who are not able to see the visible manifestation of God's work for them? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13. Hebrews 11 verse 13 says this about them. And you must read this. This is extremely important, right? In your day-to-day walk with God, you must read this. Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, it says. and Here's the next important phrase. Number one, these all died in faith. In other words, they were faithful in their life, but the next part says what? Not having received the thing's promised, You see? So just because you didn't receive the thing's promised, does that mean that the promise is not true? You see? And that's the tricky thing. But it goes on to say, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. In other words, he was saying here in Hebrews that they could see it down the pipeline. They could see it, Right? That is coming, but they didn't receive. They could see it. it is, it's If it was in their hand, but it wasn't in their hand. It's down there. It's coming. They kept saying prophet after prophet is coming. You all have to pay attention to God. It's coming. Can you see it? Can you see it? Uh, one after another. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, right? Hosea, one of It's coming. It's coming. Can you see it? but they didn't receive it themselves. Verse 14 there, Hebrews 11. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. In other words, they hadn't arrived. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had had gone out of, uh, they would have had opportunity to return. In other words, if the place where they came from was the place that they were going, then they would have gone back. What are you going to do today? Are you going to go back to that which you left? All the darkness in favor of the light that God has prepared for you? Or will you be like these saints here to never return to that? But yet you're seeking more. Verse 16, there, Hebrews 11. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. So here, Isaiah. The prophet back in Isaiah 51, Isaiah the prophet, he speaks of Abraham as the Lord leads Israel concerning what it takes to move ahead when no one else is around to motivate you. Who motivates you when nobody else is around? I was just telling the brother before service started, uh, David, that he encouraged himself in the Lord, and he had priests around him. David had priests, King David had priests around him, but yet he had reached a point that he was discouraged. He didn't know which way to turn, but scripture says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Isaiah 51, the prophet, he's speaking encouragement to the land of Israel, right? This was his whole prophecy that was set up. Uh, he had prophesied doom and gloom to them at the end of Isaiah. Uh, eventually, he says, you guys are coming back. But when you come back, know uh, that you need to be encouraged in the Lord. Because Abraham and Sarah, they were just one. But now it's a bunch of you all. It's plenty of you guys to come together. Hmm. Abraham had the Lord and himself. Yet the Lord uses Abraham as, a, as an example. Of living out our faith when no one else is around to help. Will you encourage yourself in the Lord today? Remember that Abraham didn't have any small groups. Amen? Abraham did not have a church to go to. Neither did he have a synagogue to go to. Uh, Abraham could not get on the internet and find the the preacher of the day. There was no radio preaching godliness. None of that stuff. Uh, But Abraham had to take what he knew of God and walk in obedience. Will you do the same? Therefore, let it be said of you, let it be said of me, that we are anchored in the Lord when no one else is around to encourage us. This is a great testimony of faith if people were to say this about you. What else would you want said of you? Here's another thing, too. Be the one your family and friends are proud to have been a part of your life. Right? So when they write that next line in your obituary, let it say that everybody loved them. They encouraged us and they this and they that. Everybody totally loved them. And we, the family and friends, were proud to have them to have been a part of our life. Romans chapter 11 verse 1. Romans 11 verse 1. Here it is. Paul says, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, he says. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. You see, Abraham is placed in high regard by many people of faith. Uh, Think about Abraham for a moment. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but we know this to be true, that we already know that Abraham is a person of great faith uh, within our Christian community. Amen? Amen. We also know that Abraham is a, a great person of faith, even in the community of Judaism. The Jews, they consider him a person to look up to. Amen? But did you also know even the Muslims consider Abraham to be a great person of faith? You see, everybody has a good testimony about him, and all of these uh, individual groups, they are happy to have uh, Abraham as a part of their thing. nevertheless, It is Paul who strongly declares that he is a descendant of Abraham. Paul says that I am a descendant of Abraham. He's very fortunate because he has an opportunity to say he is a biological descendant of Abraham, amen, and he is also a descendant in faith of Abraham, even through Christ Jesus. That's the most important thing. So when we think back on our family and friends, especially those that we know have passed on, sometimes they get mixed reviews. Sometimes people that we love, they get mixed reviews. Well, what do I mean by that? You know, some people uh, that you are related to who pass away, uh, sometimes you may just have a disdain for their life. The result is that you sometimes hesitate to say, yeah, I was related to them. Or you know how you say, oh, yeah, that was my auntie. Or yeah, yeah, that was my cousin. Or, or yeah, that was my uncle. Or yeah, you get, you get that kind of thing going on. So we hesitate to mention that we're related to them. But yet on the other hand, we know that no one is perfect. Amen. We, we know that, you know, I, I'm not uh, trying to set up this, this phony straw man and then knock him down, right? I understand that, I understand that most of you are not perfect in here. I get it, I know that most of you are not perfect in here. Yes, yes sister, I hear you, and I'm praying for you. We know that we are not perfect, right? I'm a part of that. You know, even the uncle who gets drunk and says whatever he wants. Or well, that one cousin that you hate to see coming because all they want to do is just argue and argue nonsense. Yeah, what about this one? Maybe even, uh, maybe even a parent who knows more about everything than you even though you may have a degree in your field of study. now I know you, you probably say, ain't no mama, no daddy like that. Okay, all right. But it is, it's, it's very true. So in those cases, we are sometimes hesitant about connecting ourselves with them. But Abraham, with him, it was a different story. Not only did Israel speak fondly of Abraham, so did Jesus and his disciples. Many of Jesus' enemies spoke highly of Abraham. Abraham had a good name. The question for us is, will people speak highly of you and I and want to associate themselves with us when we are gone? I know some of you would probably say, yeah, you're probably right. And the first thing I need to do to fix this is to hire me a PR firm. I need a PR. I, I need somebody to go out there and just start, start saying good things about me. As a matter of fact, maybe if I just start saying whatever I want to, maybe folks will start believing me just because I said it. Paul was proud to be associated with Abraham, as do many others. We are proud to be associated with Abraham through Christ. Will your family and friends be proud of you? Be proud to be associated with you after you are gone? That is the question. Number three, let them say that you trusted the Lord even in the most severe of tests. Again, let them say of you that even when all the chips were down, that you still trusted the Lord when it was tough. Again, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Hebrews 11, verse 17, we're starting there. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did not receive he did receive him back. In other words, what the scripture is telling us is that for Abraham, when he was tested severely, that he offered up his son, because he realized that God was able to raise him from the dead. You see, this is one thing that we may miss, right? We have to get this. In other words, Abraham was not believing that if I sacrifice my only son right now, that God is going to allow me to have another kid. That's not what he was saying. See, we would think that, well, the reason that he could do that, because God would bring his promise uh, through a a second kid, or in this case, maybe a third kid, right? We know know Abraham, he was really busy, right, in his old age, right? Uh, but but nevertheless uh Abraham, he sacrificed his child not because he was thinking that God was going to allow the promise to happen to another kid, but he said that God was able to raise up Isaac from the dead. That's how much faith that he had in the Lord. He said because he knew that uh, that all these offspring that there, it was going to happen. Only through Isaac. So if God wanted him to sacrifice his son, then God was going to raise him from the dead. The question is for us, how do we make it through these tough times? Did you know people want to know how you were able to endure when the tough got going? You know people want to know this about you? They want to know some of the things that you're struggling with. They want to get into your, your, your heart in your mind now i i know that uh, you know when we go through hard times right cuz all of us go through hard times that all we want to think about is just making it through you know what i mean right you know we we just want to do what well. we want to feel better we want to get well or or we just want some breathing room have you ever been in that place that you're not physically sick right you just want some breathing room. Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, for some folks, you just want to get some breathing room from all the bills you got to pay. You just want a little wiggle room. That you move your shoulders. Go out and buy some Nile Laters today. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm very serious. For some, as we were talking to you uh, th- this past week, I-, I was sharing that you know, my wife and I, a couple of days, uh, we went to sleep like at 9 p.m. And they were sharing with us that, wow, 9 p.m., you know, that would be great. We have a lot of kids, it's like 9 p.m., uh, that's like a treasure that is a luxury. 9 p.m., that sounds great. You know, sometimes you just want just a little, you know, just a little breathing room for a period of time so you can just, you know, keep it all together. But when we have these stressful times, these are the times that we must dig deep just to see if God would deliver yet one more time. One more. Will God deliver one more time? I'm again reminded of the faithful pastor that I knew that he had an illness that eventually it resulted in him going home to be with the Lord. Uh, in a letter to his congregation, he stated that uh, over the year that there were many people that had visited him at home in the hospital, and, uh, and, and there were a couple of people that told him uh, that they had a word from the Lord, in essence, but, uh, but they said that, that God would heal them, heal him. They said, God will heal you, but you have to believe with us that God is going to heal you. Okay? Okay? And he says that in his letter, he says that he understood that they really, those things, they really didn't mean any harm at all. They really wanted to see him strong and well and behind the pulpit yet one more time. But he said that throughout his life, he had plenty of tests in his life, trials and tribulations in his life. And he had some that were some doozies, and he says the Lord had already spared his life. And in fact, he said, the Lord has spared his life far beyond than he could possibly even imagine. He says, so the time that he had, that that was nothing but icing on the cake. God had already done what he said that he would do. God was faithful. So his bottom line was that Jesus had already allowed him to remain on earth. Much longer than he could possibly have imagined. But those those tests we go through uh, can result in all types of thoughts and things that come out of our mouth. You know, sometimes when we go through these tests, we can become bitter, can't we? Sometimes we can just get mad and angry. Sometimes we can be resentful. Because we thought that we didn't deserve what we get. Now, if if you think that that preachers are exempt, uh, think again. Because there are times when a preacher, including myself, uh, that we could look at our life and say, Lord, that I don't deserve this, that surely there must be more, and you could be down in the dumps. But yet, I think of David. And how David said that I encourage myself, how? In the Lord. So we must learn again how to do what? Encourage ourselves in the Lord. Will they say of you that you trusted in the Lord even when times have gotten tough and life is unbearable. Some experience tests so severe that it drives them away from the church. What? Yeah. Some people in their life, they have such a tough time that, uh, that it drives them away from the church. Why? Why is that true? Because they lack maturity in the faith. They don't understand that when you go to tough times, that the thing that we must do is do what? We need to be in church. Right? But for some folks, when they go through tough times, what? They want to stay away. Why? Because they have on a facade. They have on the mask. And they think the only time that I need to be in church is only if I'm feeling good. But you're wrong. Uh, The church is a place for those who are sick. You 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 may say that I'm not sick. But yes, you are. You, you may know Christ, but you still got that little sickness that goes on. That's why we have to be encouraged. That's why we have to latch on to God's words. That's why God's people have to speak truth and encouragement into our lives. We must draw near and not be driven away. Trust in the Lord, even when the trials and the tests seem unbearable. So what do you want said about you when you are gone? What what is it? As you're writing your own obituary, the first suggestion was to be known for being anchored in the Lord when no one else is around to encourage you. That was the first one. The second one is be the one your family and friends are part to have been a part of your life. The third one was let them say that you trusted in the Lord even when the tests were extremely severe. Here's the last one. When people think of you, let them also think of the Lord. When people think of you, let them also think of the Lord. But wait a minute. Uh, You see, when I write my obituary, or when I want my obituary written, I want them to say uh, that uh, uh, I worked for, I got to pick something that nobody is part of because you think I'm going to talk about you, right? Okay, here we go. I'll pick, pick me, right? I, I worked as a musician, and as a musician, I play for this person, this person, this person. You know, some people's obituary, it really looks more like a resume. Are they trying, are you still trying to get a job, and you did? They did this, they did this, they got this degree, and that degree, you know, we understand, don't, don't get me wrong, I get it. You might, and, and if I come to your funeral, I'm not going to criticize that. I'm just saying, amen? Or if you come to mine, just you know, don't criticize. You know, just say, right? You know, if anything, you all just bring... If, if I go before you, uh, Elder Davis, uh, Pastor Scott, I want the gospel. Okay? I'm letting, I'm letting you all know now, Elder White, I want the gospel. Don't fool around. I don't want any... Honey, this is my funeral, Okay? All right. I want I I I want the gospel because who's going to remember that I went to DTS in 50 years from now? Who's going to remember that? Who's going to remember that I I perform one day with Gladys Knights? in the? Who's going to remember? Who's going to even care? Nobody cares. Well, well, what about the? discography and all this other stuff nobody is gonna care but who's gonna care that they came to Christ during my funeral who's gonna care that the one person that came to Christ who led someone else to Christ who led many other who's gonna care then there's gonna be hordes of people who are gonna care see that's what should be important All right, get me back here now. Okay, so when people think of you, let them also think of the Lord. Mark chapter 12, verse 26. Mark 12, 26. 26 and 27, here it is. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, right? Uh, he is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. This is Jesus speaking. Uh, so in speaking of the Lord, they often identified him, Abraham, as uh, God as being the God of Abraham, right? When they think of the Lord, will they say that uh, Jesus was your Lord when they think of you? Well, people say that Jesus was our Lord and God, right? The problem, however, is that in our society, there is this incessant call uh, for people to be tolerant. And if you don't know this by now, this idea of tolerance, what it means is that don't talk about Jesus. You can talk about anything else, but don't talk about Jesus. Well, maybe today don't talk about politics, right? Uh, But they don't want you to talk about Jesus. I say Jesus because oftentimes he is the one that seems like he's the most under attack. Because when they start talking about all the other little small G gods and you bring Jesus to the table, they realize that oftentimes they have no argument against Jesus, so they become offended. And when they become offended, then they go to the boss and say they are bringing religion into the conversation into the employment place. So because of this, as disciples of Jesus Christ, our tendency is not to talk about him. And if that is our tendency not to talk about Jesus, then nobody knows if we are connected with him. Nobody knows because our mouths are shut tight. But an important thing to see in this passage, Mark 12, 26 and 27, is that when it says that God, uh, uh, it says God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? It it does not say that God was the God. Look at the passage. It does not say that God, because was, means that it happened once and for all and that all that stuff was in the past. You see, what it says in the passage, God is the God of Abraham. Remember, Abraham is supposed to be dead. How can God continuously be God over someone who's dead? Because he is God of the living. Abraham was still alive, you see? So when they think of you, will they also think of the Lord? So they knew of him, that is Abraham, and his dependence on the Lord, even though there were times when the Lord, uh, we know, was not proud of his actions, how he lied once that uh, Sarah was his wife, and then he even did it a second time. Isn't that something? But yet, in all of this, Abraham is still lifted up pretty high in our faith. So, if you've made some mistake, ask the Lord to forgive you, but then move on with your life. Amen? If you made a mistake, ask the Lord to forgive you, and then do what? Move, okay, you you need to get with me now. If you made a mistake, ask the Lord to forgive you and then do what? Forgive me, Lord, and then move on. Because he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and do what? Cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The points of this message is to consider our lives in light of how we want to be remembered tomorrow. Consider our lives today in light of how we want to be remembered on Monday. As with Abraham, we know there was not perfection, and there will not be perfection with us. But remember, every single day, every single moment, we have another chance write another line of our obituary. Each moment another letter goes into place. What will that line say about you? Will it be that they live faithfully to the Lord or not? One more passage. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6. Paul says this. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearance, his appearing. Can you say that you have fought the good fight? Will you be able to say that you finished the race? Or even will they say about you that you have kept the faith? Get to writing, brothers and sisters. Let's pray.